When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Preach, uh, first of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. All right, welcome back into another episode of From the Pink Seats podcast. I am Jacob Lane, joined in tandem here by my good friends Matt McGavick and Vincent Lacoco. We are back in full force here, all three of us on From the Pink Seats uh, for our uh, next part of the uh, season in review, part four. Tonight, we'll be looking specifically at the defense uh, and some of the advanced metrics and stats that surround the performance from 2021. Fellas, welcome in. Vince, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. I just finished uh, watching the latest episode of Peacemaker. Got to work from home today with all the ice storm and everything <laughs> going on. So it's it's been a pretty good, productive day for me. How about yourself? Hey, I'm, I've got uh, one of these, so a little Red Bull action. Uh, <laughs> I've got a little Sam Adams action. Uh, and go. just in case you're wondering, I've, I've got a little bit uh, Cougar Bait action. So three drinks. <laughs> I, I am surviving. That's how I am doing. Matt, good to see you, man. You look like you've been working for the last couple of days. Oh, my God. Between everything going on on the recruiting trail with football, the men's basketball coaching surge. Oh, and baseball is just around the corner. Like the last 10 days have just been a blur. It's I, I, I enjoy what I do. But my God, this is one of the times of the year where I'm just like, I need a break. I need a break. Yeah, I, trust me, man. I, I can relate, uh, not in, in this world, but uh, in the uh, workforce world uh, of being just like feeling like that feeling of drowning and there's no way to come back up for air. Uh, and it's, you know, look, you signed up for it. You know what you got yourself into. But what you didn't sign up for is Louisville being a, a, just a don't want to use the word S show because I want to get this show started off on a positive note. But you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You, you uh, can say it's a shit show. Exactly. I'll say it right. But hey, hey, how about it just keeps you on your toes? Right. That, if anything, that's you're not wrong there. <laughs> yeah. You had hair when you started covering Louisville. Not so much anymore. God, but, uh, it seems like forever. Ago now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, we've got a great episode uh, in store tonight. If you're tuning in, uh, first of all, thanks for tuning in. Hope you'll also go um, back into the app store or into the podcast center, wherever you listen to your podcast uh, and listen to our episode uh, with our good friend, Keith Wynn, where we broke down the, the national signing day and the new additions. How about that recruiting run there, Matt? That was a lot of fun. I'm sure for you. And it, I mean, it's still in the midst of it. I've got notifications turned on for like 15 different guys, just in case like someone else is about to pull the trigger. I mean, I'm, I'm actually watching one guy thinking he might be about to commit maybe committed, maybe a top school or something tonight, but saying it keeps me on my toes is, is one way to put it. Stresses me the hell out is, is a better way to put it. That's right. Well, hey, it stresses you out, but it makes Pete Nocta and Aaron Hodges very happy gentlemen uh, and the marketing folks oh, there, yeah. both the ladies and gentlemen there uh, uh, doing a fine job, but they, uh, they're they excited and we should be too as fans. And of course, it gave us tons of content last night to talk about. So I definitely recommend you go check that out after you listen to this show. But like we said, tonight we are going to take a look back at the 2021 season as we continue to roll along our eight part series here and tonight we'll be looking at the defense and um, this is going to be a little bit of a somber show like last year when we looked at the, the defense Matt do you remember how we went from like the offensive show to being so doom and gloom to being like the defense was good right like mm-hmm. tonight no not the case uh, yeah this year's the exact opposite bit, baby <laughs> that's right tonight's gonna be a little bit uh from a statistical standpoint I think it's gonna be a little eye-opening to people to just truly um how I, I think how 
I don't want to say bad, but how how much the defense struggled last year, how much of a regression they kind of took injuries played a role in that young guys, new new you know, new guys in new spots, guys not living up to expectations in a lot of ways. But hey, still a lot of good that did come out of the defense this year. But we'll continue um, our series segment, however you want to frame this here, in which we kind of put these statistics in a, in a framework. Our three and out series where we'll run through three downs and then a fourth down potentially with a, a fourth stat there. Um, of just ma- advanced metrics or stats that tell the story of the defense in a nutshell. Um, but before we do that, it- it's worth kind of doing what we did last week and-, and taking a big a big picture look at this. So, Matt, let me start with you, man. What was the kind of big narrative, um, whether it be good or bad, from the Louisville defense that will stand out with you into the offseason, into, ne- into next year? Well, I think uh, for this cycle, it's got to be like working on the back end and the secondary, which they- Louisville has worked on with adding some uh, transfer defensive backs, working on bringing in uh, high school prospects. I know last year the dominant talking point was turnovers, and to an extent it's a little bit of the same, but we'll get into that in the in our first little talking point. But I think it's just a matter of having a, a rebound year and being a more complete defense because, I mean, th- there were times where the defense did do some good things. I mean, the front seven, especially the, that linebacking core was phenomenal. Uh, defensive line kind of struggled to get some push in the middle the secondary now granted there were some some significant injuries and some absences towards the end of the year but I mean there were times where they just got absolutely roasted but giving the trajectory that they're on now I have reason to think that maybe in 2022 both of those will look a little bit better but I gotta see it to believe it first yeah, that's right. And, and just a couple of statistics that are worth pointing out before I come to you here, Vince, for your opinion on that. But Yasir Abdullah, how about you talk about Louisville really struggling to get into the backfield for sacks? He finishes with a team high 10 sacks last year, and I think second team all ACC uh, on the yep. defensive side of the ball. Um, you talk about Ashton Gelati, a freshman who finishes second on the team in sacks with four. Overall, they're much more kind of improved statistically. I don't have the numbers in front of me, and so I could be off here, but I'm almost positive they didn't have 31 sacks in 2020. That was a big narrative of the defense last year was struggling to get pressure and kind of close that out. They did that this year, but in true Louisville form, they take a step back, uh, take a step forward and two steps back. The defensive uh, secondary really struggled. Chandler Jones, a guy that we expected to have a big season, maybe even be in the NFL talk at the end of the year, really struggled in the cornerback spot. Greedy Vance was a nice surprise, but obviously he's gone. Um, in the safety spot, they get Kendrick Duncan and Q Cole, both having really solid seasons. Quinterio Cole will play in the East-West Shrine game and potentially has a chance to get drafted. C.J. Avery leads the team in tackles again. Uh, but really, after that, there's kind of a big – after Yasir, Ashton, C.J. Avery, maybe you throw Yaya Diaby. He did have, I think, something like um, six or eight quarterback hurries or quarterback hits last year. So, really, was close to having a ton of sacks. Could have made all Monty too, but he's coming off of injury. It's right, right, and they did. They lost Monty early in the season. Control Clark goes down, so there's really a couple of things that you could point out. Ashton misses four or five games in the middle of the year with those injuries, um, but there are some statistical things that kind of stand out, like this Yasir Abdullah sack number and, and things like that. Vince, your thoughts on the kind of narrative that stands out to you on the football season? So the thing that I thought of, uh, I was kind of thinking, trying to think of a word for the defense this year, and I mean the word I just came with and kept coming back to was inconsistent and just you you'll see why in a lot of these stats that you are about to bring up whenever they say the coach speak of oh we're this close or we're this many plays away whenever you guys start going over these stats I think the fans will realize you know just how true that statement is I mean we don't let up x amount of points in the fourth quarter you know we win the ball game or we don't let up three uh three touchdowns in the first quarter you know, we're not fighting from behind the whole time. So, you know, there's just a lot of inconsistencies throughout the year. And, you know, like you guys said already, that comes with injury and depth issues already. And uh, I, I think we're filling a lot of those holes through the recruiting department and everything. So, you know, it's it's going to be bad. I, I text you, Jacob. I said it's the ugly pod. So, so <laughs> might as well get rolling into it. That's right. It is going to be a little bit uglier uh, than the offensive side of things, although there were definitely some negatives with the offensive side of things. So let's go straight into it. First down, our first statistic of the night here in our three and out series. We go to Football Outsiders, the mainstay in this podcast uh, wrap up metric shows. Uh, and we go and first off look at the defensive turnover rates. 
for Louisville. Now, this is a statistic that measures the percentage of opponent offensive drives that end with an interception or fumble. Um, so this is a statistic that's extremely important. This is one where you want to be uh, high up, right? You want to finish in the top of the country because that means you're forcing turnovers and you're getting your defense off of the, of the field. Not so much for Louisville football. Uh, you know, not even quite close, actually, if I'm being quite honest with you here. Uh, they finished 112th in the country last year in uh, defensive turnover rate at .068. Um, yeah, not good, not good. And um, you can point to a number of things here. Vince, I want to start with you, though, as to why you think this stat is the way that it is. I think that as a whole, Louisville got good performances out of guys like Duncan and Cole and, um, you know, Cottrell Clark before he got hurt and even, you know, Greedy Vance. But but um, as the um, as the, the team kind of was forced to be um, put into situations where they had to make a play um, and they had to kind of stop a passing situation or they had to you know get off the field, they, they couldn't do it. Um, and I don't know if that's the pieces not being in the right place, the, the, the scheme not being exactly what you want it to be. We obviously know about the drop eight rush three narrative that's out there with Brian Brown. But in your opinion, why did they? why did they struggle so much this year with creating turnovers when, um, you know, it, it, on the offensive side of the ball, it was something that they, they really took an improvement in. They really, you know, Scott Turfield talked all year about turnover margin all off season. They took a big step forward offensively, defensively. They did not though. Well, the, the big thing that comes with the turnovers is pressure. You know, that's why that drop eight is such a huge narrative with coach Brown. You, you rush for the quarterbacks or for more of the quarterbacks eyes. I mean, He's going to notice that, and if he, you know, brings his eyes down for a slight second, he looks up to throw the ball, That's there's an opportunity right there for us to get a turnover because he might not know where our defensive back is. So I think it's a little bit of both, of uh, <clears throat> just not the right play calling at the mm-hmm. right time. And then when I think the guys might have realized at some point in time that, you know, this drop eight's stupid, why are we running this still? So they might not have even had – you know, the confidence to go out there and run that stuff or to go out there and make a play. I mean, personally, I'd be kind of – I'd be pissed off knowing that, oh, this drop eight stuff isn't working or, you know, and that might be in my head a little bit before I start sure. to make a play or make any checks or anything like that. Sure, and, and 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 you know Coach Brown a little bit more than obviously Matt or I do, Matt, much more than I even do from covering the team. But is it is it a stubbornness? Is it a – um not being uh, an experienced enough play caller. What, what is it that's that Brian Brown still we're in, we're going into 2022 here, their fourth year of coaching in the last two years, they're 105th and 122nd and turnover margin uh, or in turnover rate. Why, why can they not generate turnovers holistically? What is it in the defensive scheme um, that is really preventing them from being able to do that because they did that at App State. At App State, they were top 10 in the country for four or five years in turnovers, especially in interceptions. So what is it here that they're not doing? I, I can't seem to wrap my head around it. And, and why is it that they aren't coaching it up by now? Well, I don't think it's the fact that they're not coaching it up because in the spring of 21, that's, I mean, that's all we emphasize was turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Right. And, you know, everybody, the narrative, like you said, coming out of uh, 2020 was the fact that the offense was turning the ball over more and defense was generating, you know, they were generating a couple of turnovers, but not up to the standard. Right. Well, I mean, they had an, their own designated period, two periods of practice where we would do exchange with the offense, which is very rarely done where we would do a ball security drill with ones. It'd be like Jalen Mitchell running the ball with Cottrell Clark on the back, trying to punch it out or rip it out or vice versa with the wide receivers, you know, little short stuff, just the DBs poking the ball out or maybe going up for an interception. So I'm not really sure. Maybe it's just guys just aren't making plays. In my opinion, I, I, I think that's a little bit of what it is, is, we talked about Cottrell Clark needing uh, in 2020 making that jump or 20. Yes. Excuse me. From 2020 to 2021, making that yeah. jump with the interceptions right. actually needing to go up and catch the ball and not bat it down so much. Just, I don't think guys were making plays this year. Yeah. And I think that had you had Cottrell Clark throughout the end of the season, it would have been a little bit of a different story, right? We, we all oh, go, I mean, it, was a, it was a nominee for a freaky, uh, the interception I, against Florida state, one of the top I plays even, of the year. I even think, uh, you know, if Monty's there, we get a couple more turnovers on the year because Monty kind of reminds me, I mean, he's not up to this 
skill wise that I know of, or that we might not have seen yet, but of a Tyron Matthew, where he kind of knows the placement of where the, there's a lot of, a lot of placements to be known when it comes to football. When you think of Marshawn Ford, a lot of the reasons he's so good at what he does is because he knows spacing and uh, Monty kind of understands the same thing of body placement on a, somebody catching the ball or somebody coming to run the ball, right. you know, where to punch it out, where yeah. to rip and things like that. And uh, at the same time, you can obviously add more pressures and quarterback spies and stuff with Monty in there. So I think that also, you know, if we had him, he probably would have caused a couple more. No doubt. And, and, and Matt, this could be something that uh, could easily be dispelled. You know, sometimes I have these thoughts and I throw them out there and then it's like, no, Jacob, that is just in your head. That didn't really happen. <laughs> but the eye test tells me this year, one thing that was different than 2020 was 2020. They were in position a lot of times to make interceptions. They were right there and they dropped it. They batted it down. I mean, think of the Notre Dame game, for example. It felt like every other play yeah. they had an opportunity to pick the as you shake your head like that. <laughs> but we talked about how they led the country and dropped interceptions uh and this year matt tell me i'm wrong but it didn't seem like they were even in position a lot of times to to even get those pass deflections or to make a play that more often than not it was kind of like back to 2019 where they got the big plays kind of happened more than anything well see i i got to thinking about that a little bit because looking back it's just your your typical stats you know like total offense total defense yada 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 I mean, in terms of turnovers gained, I mean, Louisville still had 15 takeaways. I mean, that's not, I mean, mind-blowing. But, I mean, that's that's middle of the pack in both the ACC and nationally. Well, I mean, nationally, it was close to like, close to like 80, 80th, mm-hmm. 82nd, somewhere in that. But, I mean, middle of the pack for the ACC. Sure. So, I mean, there was tangible progress there coming from last season. But you're they're still, like, close to the bottom of the barrel in terms of, you know, actually – consistently forcing turnovers like given the amount of drives that go on but then I got to thinking maybe maybe it's and this is kind of going to the offense a little bit I think I know where you're going with this and I think maybe the it's because smart. the the offense had so many instances because we t- we talked about this how the I can't remember the exact rate like but there were a lot more times where the offense just couldn't couldn't get going mm-hmm. and leading to a bad third third down percentage in turn putting the defense on the field more and since they're on the field more obviously they're going to get worn down towards the end so maybe that's why the overall turnover rate is just absolutely tanked and kind of building off of that point that's why I'm a little bit excited even though some of these defensive back pieces they might not be some of the flashy ones in the 23 class but it, it adds the necessary depth that Louisville needs to maybe, you know, be able to make up for some deficiencies on the offensive end. And by deficiency on the, on the offensive end, I mean like inability to convert on third down and be able to have the depth to not have guys completely gassed towards the end and make a play. Another thing that I remember just taking notes of throughout the year was uh, the depth of the DBs. Whenever – so it's it seemed like our guys were really you know far back and uh, so far back to where I just remember constantly making notes of whenever guys would run slants, it seemed like our corners were breaking more to make a tackle opposed to breaking to undercut that route to make an interception to make a play just because of how far off they were. They were afraid of that big play and you know miss a tackle. That's all it takes, and the play pops, and they're running six yards down the field. So. That might be something that they might want to make an adjustment of is just the depth of the corners and the safeties on certain passing downs. And especially oh, with a guy like Kendrick, who's, you know, a big old six foot, whatever, 200 pound safety back there. He's not going to have that uh, sudden change of direction like somebody uh, in comparison to like Greedy Vance or, uh, you know, the smaller guys would. Yeah, and I really like the additions that they brought in. Um, you talked about they're not flashy. You know, Jaden Williams comes from USC. He was a three-year player. Keith talked about it's just valuable that he played at USC. He was a guy that was on the field. Right. He's got big college football experience. Uh, and then a guy like Jalen Alexander, who is uh, – Jalen Alexander is really growing on me. And one thing you talked about, Tyron Matthew with Monty Montgomery – uh, in his introductory video, um, to, after signing with Louisville yesterday, Jalen Alexander said he models his game after Tyron Matthew. And he really, like, as a safety cornerback, um, talked about being in, like, tackling and knowing how to be. Literally, I'm talking like he, he was exactly like that. I just know how to be in a good position. That's, like, that's, that's the, the kind best. of stuff they need. Right. Because- 
that's that's the one you want to model after. I mean, he's he if you go back and watch that guy's college film, he's one of the best. I mean, obviously you got Deion Sanders and those, you know, those goats, but I mean Tyra Matthews damn near the best nickelback, nickel dime guy, whatever you want to call him, that there there was in college football. Just knowing bad man. where to get the ball mm-hmm. out and where to make a play, pretty much. Yeah, he was a he was a bad, bad man. So uh, this is an area in 2023. They got an opportunity to take or 2022. They got an opportunity to step uh, uh, forward here. And we, we're going to say this all offseason. But if they can just round out, take what they've learned in 2019, 2020 and now 2021. Watch out. Watch out. All right. Now, going into our second stat of the night, I know. A lot of stink was made this time last year about, you know, Louisville's ability to, you know, generate pressure in the backfield, specifically in their pass rush. Well, pass rush, I would say, took a a little bit of a step forward. I mean, a lot of that was powered by Yasir Abdul and all of the numbers he put up. But, I mean, you had guys like Ashton Gelati. Yaya had some flashes towards the end. But, I mean, there's progress there. But, of course, like you mentioned earlier, Jacob, one step forward, two steps back. Something that kind of popped up into doing some of the research for this was something called a pass-down line yardage. Basically, this is the amount of rushing yards that the defensive line is responsible for giving up. It's a little bit confusing to explain, but, I mean, that's why I'm here and the guys at Football Insiders do the things they do. But that, that's just the most layman's way I can explain it. It's basically a metric that explores like how much rush, rushing yardage an opponent rushes for is responsible for the line and not particularly the running back. So with that, that in mind, uh, let me pull up this stat from last year. Yeah, their, their pass down line yards was in 2020 3.06 for 82nd in the country. So not, not that great. Basically in clear passing situations, well, that's, that's why it specifies pass down. So it's first down, like first and 10 or first and longer after a penalty because Lord knows there were plenty of those in 2021. Second and long, like second and seven, third and long, third and, like third and four, those types of situations where you think where there's going to be an obvious, you know, a near obvious passing play. Louisville in 2020 averaged 3.06 rushing yards allowed for 82nd in the country. In 2021, it went up to 3.3, which, you know, it seems like a marginal increase there. But in the grand scheme of college the football, that's 118th in the country this year. So while they're able to generate more pass rush, while at times the run defense – was actually good, but then there are some moments, namely Ole Miss, Kentucky, yes, and a couple Ole Miss. of the games. Ole Miss. And a couple I, of the games, yeah, sprinkled in there. Again. The yeah. rush defense was abysmal, no matter what look the opposing offense put out there. It, it's like they they were just like, all right, we're going to go so hard and get this quarterback, and the running back was like, nah, a halfback draw. Just wait, fake it, fake it, hand it off, I'm gone. I mean, they did that so many times that yep. it just – it's one of those things, uh, again, I'm not going to be – um, I am going to be critical of coach Brown because this is an area where as the play caller, you got to be better at this. Like you gotta, you gotta be prepared that if, if you think it's pass, 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 there's probably a good chance it might be run. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I, there's an opportunity here for him to show his, his growth as a coach and as a play caller and being able to be more prepared for these type of situations, because a stat like this, if you're a really good football team should not skew this far bad in my opinion like you should not be so bad in passing situations against the run because it means that the offense is just completely taking advantage of you no matter what you line up to do against them they're going to do what they want to do and they're going to do it how they do it and so if you're if you're blitzing if you're coming after the quarterback I'm going to throw a halfback draw or I'm going to put a screen out on you I'm going to take advantage of your aggressiveness and I'm going to go the other way and that's I, I, that's what I saw my noob football eyes Vince please give me the technical football way of how this happens please because there's got to be an explanation for this a lot of times it's not coming in under control that's what i was saying there's some blame that you got to throw on these players at at the same time as much as it is coach brown it's the guy's fault out there who's going to run the stuff as well i mean you got to think on a on a blitz play you could 
damn near run right past the running back. Uh, <laughs> right. Just that's what I did. Going after the quarterback, head. thinking it's a draw. That's what they do on screenplays with the offense. They're like, make it the worst block you've ever thrown in your life. Just let the guy run past you and go, you know, go block the second level uh, defender. So a lot of it is just the guy's not coming in under control. Know where your eyes are. Get skinny through your gap. And don't – you have to expect stuff like that too. It's That's football. what I'm saying. There, it's not just a one-sided thing as a as a player though, Jacob. You know, right. I mean, right. I agree with you that Coach Brown definitely needs to be expecting that, and I think he does expect that. But at the same time, it falls back on these on the players. It's, it's a run play on an obvious passing down. Yeah. Just come up and make a play, make a tackle. Right, because it's going to be control. It's going to be third and eight, third and ten. You know, yeah, third and we long. can live like with. You're going to be can... able to. You have okay. They get past the line of scrimmage. You have eight more yards to tackle them, and that I guarantee you, if you go and look at the statistics on this, this is where I want to. I wish I had the manpower to learn statistics and make money and sell this stuff. But like, I guarantee you, <laughs> on this on this type of play, the missed tackle rate for Louisville would be high. It'd be through the oh. roof. I guarantee. Oh, you. absolutely. I, I, I bet at the same time, it's it's probably because. I mean, our, our, the depth of our defensive backs, just giving, you know, I mean, you get 15 yards of space between a running back and a safety. I like my odds every time offensively over defensively. It's just not not an easy tackle to make by any means. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot of issues going on with that right there for sure. Right. Yeah, it's it's just such a, a, a gaudy stat. It's like, like this, I would imagine that this is a stat that probably keeps like Scott Satterfield up at night, you know, as you're trying to round your football team out and look at yourself on a graph, right? And you see where your mean and your median are in your team. And then it's just like pew, up on this graph and it's far skewing far, like to the left, far right. And it's like, what is this? Oh shit. On passing downs, we gave up a ton of running yards or we gave up, you know, a big, we, whatever it is. Like, it's just, it's, it's a total uh, kind of story. It's, of it's like they're going, Oh, I got them right where I want them. And then right. they pull the old okie doke on them. The okie doke. Uh, yeah. We called that in high school in basketball. We called that neck muscles, right? Because we faked you. We faked you out. Like you thought we were going one way and you got to change your head. We got the neck muscles. So that's what it was for Louisville football. I'd, I'd be so mad if I'm coach Brown sitting up here. I'm like, man, I have so much other depth of DB, you know, we got to get some big guys up front and everything. And then you just see the statistic of that right there. I mean, yeah. I'd be like, and I have to worry about this as well. Exactly. Like, like, are you kidding right. me on obvious passing downs and running for this much? Yeah, mm-hmm. if this if this statistic is as bad and next year we're gonna have a serious conversation about um just the 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 players and coaches and whether who who shouldn't be here, right? At some point right. when this data continues to tell you what it tells you, like one thing I believe in my professional life is the data is never wrong, right? The data is not lying to you. It tells you a story and the story is is in facts and numbers. Uh and so next year, if you're looking at this statistic and it's this bad again. Uh, something's wrong up front, defensive line, line somebody's got to figure something out. Uh, so we'll see. All right, we're going to step away here um, at, at kind of at the halfway point of the show um, and go to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll dive into third down and take a look at uh, some of the other big metrics that stood out for Louisville football. Psst, you. Yeah, you. Enjoying this podcast? Like sharing Louisville events and news with like-minded individuals? Love being a part of the Louisville community? This podcast is part of a first-of-its-kind podcast network at thestateofwilville.com. With daily news and opinions, seven podcasts, webcasts, and more, The State of Louisville is your home for anything and everything Louisville. Check them out at stateofwilville.com today. We are back here from the Pink Seats Podcast. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, Vincent Lococo. Uh, real quick, just some housekeeping notes. Be sure uh, to give these gentlemen uh, a follow and, and uh, catch their work here on the interwebs at Matt underscore McGavick at Vincent Lococo, the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated, where Matt is grinding and making sure that uh, you know exactly how many dollars Angel McCotry gets when she signs her latest deal with the Minnesota <laughs> Lynx. Matt's got that date on the website. And then, of course, at Jacob Lane 08 is where you can find me on Twitter. You'll get a lot of weird dad uh, sports stuff mixed in there. Hopefully, you'll be uh, you'll be in line for a fun follow. And then, of course, the state of Louisville, stateoflouisville.com, State of Louisville Podcast Network. All right, third down. Here we go. All right. Sounds a little bit better. Okay. Maybe. 
maybe. I mean, it's 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 not completely doom and gloom. We're hey, we're out of the hundreds, right? We're making progress, baby. We're out of the hundreds. Um, and, and Matt, I'm going to rely on you when we get into these kind of nerdy, detailed metrics. You write about this stuff much more, much more. The ability to communicate efficiently. I'm going to rely on you to spit this information out. But our third down statistics, uh, we're looking at the standard down sack rate and passing down sack rate. Okay, Sta- standard down is basically a, a down where. You- any number of plays can be run, whether it's a pass or a run. And passing down is like your first and tens, second and sevens and more, third and fourths and more, you know, downs like that. But basically a situation where a, pa- a pass is almost almost guaranteed. Right. Okay. All right. So their sack rate. So we're looking at specifically how they are able to get to the quarterback and bring him to the ground. Okay. So on standard downs, Louisville was 5.1% of being able to uh, get to the quarterback. That's the sack rate there for the standard down. So those downs that Matt talked about 79th in the country. Okay. So we're still training towards the back. So basically what we know is what we kind of just talked about. I've, well, I think a lot of it has to do with just the amount of pass rush pressure that Louisville is able to get to begin with. Cause I mean, we've kind of talked ad nauseum about the, the pressure that they are unable to get in the middle. And if you really want to cause pocket disruption, I mean, you can come at them from the left, you can come at them from the side, but at the end of the day, if you really want to cause disruption, it's got to come from like right up the middle. And thankfully, guys like Ashton, Jalati, Yasir Abdullah, even Jack Lago to an extent, were able to, you know, put put on display their pass rush ability and get, get to the QB. But while there was tangible progress from last season, it, it's still relatively low because, again, the, the nose tackle has been largely inefficient for the last several years under Scott Satterfield. What do you think, Vince? What's your, what are your thoughts on this metric in particular? You know, just a lot of the pressures that we decided to bring and, you know, nose tackle not being non-existent. We've, we've had six foot, 270, 280 pound nose tackles outside of Jared Goldwire and uh, whenever he played two years ago or a year ago or whatever. Yeah. And going off of what you said, Jacob, I think we get a lot or Matt, we get a lot more sacks if we have Monty Montgomery in there blitzing right oh no question love cj to death but cj's not a player that can necessarily get skinny everybody knows cj is the big bone more traditional linebacker where monty is your fly around sideline sideline to sideline can quarterback spy kind of more of an athlete out there and i I think if he's in there we can disguise things better and he's gonna have a little bit better of an opportunity to get skinny through there and make the quarterback either step up right into him because the pressure on the outside or cause that quarterback to roll out to his right or left where he's going to walk right into Ashton or Yaya or uh, Yasir. Okay. All right. So now let's look at the obvious passing downs. The metric here, Louisville's a little bit better. Actually, you know, I would say marginally better. Uh, Not marginally, but uh, significantly better. Markedly better. Markedly better. Thank you. I appreciate a resident journalist here correcting me on my (laughs) grammar and word usage. I that's what what you're here. You're like my own professional grammarly in real life, reminding me, hey, you spelled that word wrong. Hey, that's not the right version of there. Uh, Speaking of that, did you all see Tom Brady's post on uh, about Lamar? I did. He said you're next. You're next. next. That's right. Wasn't the right former year. <laughs> Tom Brady going. Tom Brady going, oh and all God. the networks fixed it. Every single network was you Pashfiari. But I won't forget Tom Brady. I noticed that. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment, <laughs> but damn it, it's the wrong former year. All right, but on passing downs, eight point eight percent sack rate, fifty fourth in the country. I'm going to give you one reason, uh, two words, why I think that this is, and that's Yasir Abdullah. When Yasir gets to pin his yeah. ears back and go after the quarterback, we heard Tiberius and Derek tell us he got there before we could even realize he was there. The guy was electric. I would be curious to see how many of his sacks came on second and long, on third and long. Uh, I would imagine it would be quite a bit of those 10. Uh, but, damn, man, they were impressive, um, at least from his standpoint. Now, the rest of the guys, not so much. That's where they need another guy. They need one more guy on the other side or a nose tackle. Somebody uh, on one of the ends, somebody who can be a legitimate threat to get to the quarterback. Ashton was that somewhat when he was healthy. Yaya was consistent at the end of the year, but really struggled early. They just need one more guy to step up, and I bet that rate goes higher. What are your thoughts on that, Vince? Uh, I com- I completely agree with you. And I it sucks because Yasir does play that outside linebacker. It's the uh, He plays the dog, right? I always get those mixed up. So he played the dog. Yeah, Yasir plays dog. 
then Jack played the card, which is, you know, more of your skinnier linebacker. And we've had our talks about Jack. Jack is a he's a good football player. He's very fundamentally sound, but he's not going to do anything that's going to you know pop off the screen. Right. So whereas I think a player like Marvin Dallas, and a player like <laughs> y'all's Marvin Dallas, player, yes. <laughs> player like Marvin Dallas or Ben Perry, if Marvin Dallas does not win that position, I think those two with a little bit more athleticism on that outside gives you a little bit more uh, flexibility to do some fun stuff with him and Ashton and some stunts to where you can really open up Ashton and let him get around on the outside and use more of his athleticism and his bend at the waist to uh, get to the quarterback. Yeah, two guys, Matt. I'm going to tell you two guys to watch for, and then you can answer this. Tafik Thomas in 2022, Caleb Banks. I'm telling you, watch out for those two fellas next season. I know. We've been talking about it for two – is that what you were no, going to no, say? It, it, no, it's funny because I was actually about to say pretty much the same thing and mention the same <laughs> that's two players. See, that's like, how you know like, we were made to be hosts together, man. I love it. Because building off of what you, what you said, Vince, and I completely agree, but in order for Louisville's defense to – really ascend to the next level because i mean you can have all the all ac uh defensive backs you want but i mean if you give that quarterback time like sitting in the pocket he's gonna find a way i mean we saw that we saw brennan armstrong do that when uh, louisville played virginia so i think it's going to be crucial that whoever ends up starting at nose tackle they have a productive year, and I'm really intrigued to see Caleb Banks in his second year because we, I know Jacob, you you really loved him during that last cycle, and he he's starting to grow on me. But I'll be interested to see how much progress uh, Tafik Thomas makes when he finally gets on campus because I know he he's not going to be as ahead as as everyone else because he's going to be coming in the summer. He's not going to be an early en- he's not an early enrollee, mm-hmm. but I mean when you're shoot what is he around like 325 somewhere in name that Six, neighborhood five, three, and he and he yeah. also averages like 20 points a game on the basketball court crazy i mean stuff, that man. that dude he's got power and he can move so i'll i'll be interested to see how he develops and progresses through fall camp yeah and next year i mean they've got uh, not to cut you off here events but just one note that they've got a, a couple of tough battles with quarterbacks early in the season phil Jerkovich with boston college uh early in october that's the week the week after that on the road, back-to-back road games. They they get Brennan Armstrong in Virginia. Uh, and then just a few weeks later, uh, following Pitt, who will have, you know, obviously a new quarterback in place, they'll get Sam Hartman and Wake Forest. So uh they're gonna have, you know, they're gonna have to really improve this stat, or you know, Louisville's gonna be kind of in the same spot they were last year. I, I was just gonna add on to kind of when we we're how Matt was talking about the nose tackles, uh I think that just with Tafik, if he can generate enough pressure to where that center is having to make a check to one of those guards saying, I need help on this pass, on this pass play. I need help. Slide your protection this way. That's where we get more opportunities with our three down defense where, you know, they like to call it adding on where it's, it's a post snap blitz where it's almost like a thousand one thousand two count where you let everything play out. You find the open gap and then you go. And that's why a lot of those sacks do come up from almost like right up the middle is because it's more of an add-on late where you're man-to-man on the running back and the running back stays in the block. So you add on there. Scott Satterfield talked about the, and I think Matt, you might've wrote about this uh, yesterday or today. They want to be much more physical in spring practice this year. They really want to challenge these defensive linemen um, and really be able to kind of step up their intensity from a physical standpoint. Coach uh, Ben Souders is going to be a big role in getting these guys uh, up to speed, you know, obviously with their bodies and being in a place to go to go to battles with Kentuckys and the Clemsons and really be able to not just play well, but to win uh, those battles and to dominate. All right. And to our final statistic of the night, our fourth down. The statistics have been so bad that the defense, the offense that we're going against here, the hypothetical, theoretical uh narrative driven offense is going to go for it on fourth down because they think they can get it and of course we're going to present them with a statistic that is essentially their version of a touchdown scoring margins scoring (laughs) scoring scoring all right things get very ugly here um and i'm trying to think of how i want to lob this up um i think i just want to run through at the end the the general scoring uh 
from the quarter. So I broke down the season on Louisville scoring base per uh, Louisville scoring per quarter each game. So how many points they score in each quarter throughout the throughout the season in each of their their games, as well as the opponents, right? So just like ESPN does, breaking it down and then adding those up to look and see what the margins are. Okay, so this is where it gets really interesting. The big narrative of the season was Louisville blowing games in the fourth quarter, not just the defense, right? The offense played a role in it. They made mistakes. They did things that like not being able to score in the goal line or not being able to get a first down on fourth and one, whatever the case was. We talked through all of that last week. Recommend you go back and look at that because that will help kind of set this up but for louisville this is where things get really really dicey because they were a good Mm -hmm. team for three quarters uh, just about really more a half but a really really good team for a half and a decent team for the third quarter but just a really 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 bad in the fourth quarter so let me break it down to you like this on the season in louisville's 13 games they outscored their opponents in the first quarter 114 to 84 in the second quarter, they outscored their opponents 121 to 100. Okay, pretty good margins, right? You think if you're if yeah. you're scoring this many points, you're probably winning football games, right? You would right. think. <laughs> you would think. Okay, and then here we go. Let me just throw another one at you. 77 to 45. Third quarter scoring, Louisville's the advantage. Okay, so where does it? What what gives? How did Louisville finish six and seven? Here you go. In the fourth quarter on the season, and I'm going to break this down into wins and losses for you so you can see the difference. Um, But on the season, Louisville was outscored in the fourth quarter by a total of 99 to 126. So 27 points, almost four possessions. They were outscored in the fourth quarter. RIP to the fourth quarter for Louisville football's defense this year. In losses, it gets so much worse, okay? It's so much worse, okay? Are you ready for this statistic? And I went back and I added this up, okay? I did this a number of different times, and I'm going to check my formula, so give me a second. 47 to 24, Louisville outscored their opponents on the season in the third quarter in losses, okay? They still are outscoring their opponents throughout this part. Here's where it gets dicey. Fourth quarter of losses, 58 to 79, they're outscored, okay? So in the the games where Louisville loses on the season, they are essentially dominated in the fourth quarter. Throughout the season, even in wins, they did not perform well in the fourth quarter. But here they are, okay? And now when you look at it in wins, it's a little bit better. The margins are a little bit slimmer in the third, actually, which is a little bit surprising, 30 to 21. Uh, And then 41 to 30, they outscore their opponents in the fourth quarter and win. So 41 to 30 in the fourth quarter, they're outscoring their opponents. And their losses, it essentially comes down to fourth quarter. That's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. What what is this? Is this depth? Is this uh, play call? I mean, I know we keep trying to blame somebody. I'm trying to get – listen, local coaches, if you're listening to this, I'm not trying to get anybody fired. I'm just – I'm just trying to talk to you. I'm just trying to put, just trying to help understand. I'm not trying to blame anybody, but what, what happened? Like with what happened? I know Tiberius talked about the offense would be in rhythm and then the defense wouldn't be in rhythm or the defense would be in rhythm and the offense wasn't in rhythm. Is it as simple as that? Or. I, I think. Oh gosh. It, it's, it's just a culmination of so many things, but I, regardless of what started it, I think what continued it was just the mental side of things because I mean, after the second or the third time, I mean, everyone in the building could just feel anxiety as soon as the fourth quarter came here. I mean, I know the coaches, they, they all said all year long that they tried their best to not think about it. And they, they thought it was nothing. Yada, 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 yada. Anyone who was in Cardinal stadium, anytime the fourth quarter came around, they, they automatically felt dread. I'm just telling it as it is right now. I mean, produce all the coach speak all you want. That's what happened. Yeah. I, I mean, you'd, you'd hear that Muhammad Ali intro and I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, the boxing bell. And then yeah. you're just like, oh, oh Louisville's this, this. the greatest, except in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's about to go so. downhill all from here. <laughs> but just it, 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 once it's once the snowball got rolling, there was no stopping it. It's just hard to pinpoint why the snowball got rolling in the first place. It was a, it was a combination of things. I, I would love to see the situational stuff on that in the fourth quarter and where the offense put the defense in a lot of these. Because, uh, I mean, you know, you, the, the defense can start in bad field position, and then all of a sudden it's your percentages of scoring a touchdown immediately go up. 
but I mean, you can't pin it all on that. And I mean, offensively, just thinking like that, that could be very demoralizing and can damn near turn a locker room against one another. Cause offensively you're thinking, well, shoot, we're, we're scoring enough points. I mean, why, why can you all not get two, three stops for us here in the fourth quarter? And I think a lot of that comes with depth, just not having the right guy. I'm just not having enough guys, everybody being gassed by the time the fourth quarter comes. And I mean, no amount of conditioning is going to get you, you try and get ready for game speed, but no amount of conditioning is going to really get you to game speed until you're there. That's fair. You're in that moment. But what did I tell you last night? And what did I tweet uh, from the from the Pink Seats Twitter account earlier? Spring football just got so much more important for that reason. These guys who play behind Cottrell Clark, Monty Montgomery, um, you know, obviously a lot of these transfers are not going to be enrolled yet. They're not going to be here. So some of these guys at the bottom of the depth chart are going to get a high number of snaps. And it might not be sexy to the fans when they go out and Derek Edwards – uh, and you know, Jacob Johnson is out there running, cor- you know, snaps at corners. That's not a real person, by the way. Uh, but you know, some random walk on from I was about to say who that's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't see that guy on the depth chart, but right. some random, you know, third year cornerback who played at St. X and has been on the roster and has fought for years to get to this opportunity. Like these guys are going to get snaps and it's not sexy and it's not going to be a ton of fun to watch, but what's going to matter is when Louisville's in the fourth quarter uh, in a game against Kentucky and Derek Edwards needs to come on for a situational play. Derek Edwards is going to have been there. He's going to have remembered those spring practices of having those snaps much more prepared to hopefully make a play. I think uh, I think the fans will be impressed with Derek Edwards coming. I'm not saying that you're saying that he won't be impressive, but no, but they won't be impressed. You know, I with think Jacob I Johnson, think though. he might be. Uh, They'll say I he's think missing he's, in action. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just the thing with Derek. Derek is a very smooth corner. He's not all swaggy like how greedy is or Jair or guys like that. But he's just very smooth. He understands spacing. He understands. Uh, you know, maybe I should sink a little bit here whenever I'm covering the flats to get the illusion of, to the quarterback that the running back's open on this play to where I can come up and break on that ball and get an interception. Uh, so I, I'm pumped to see him in the spring, and I'm already dreading what the fans are going to say about the offense because you already know that it's going to be straight, boring inside zone, outside zone, stuff that, I mean, I enjoy, but the fans are going to be like, Oh, here's Scott. Oh, I, I cannot, ways I cannot wait for fans to overreact to a spring game. It's, it's a, it's a I, tradition I went, that we missed for dude, the first my, three years under Scott. I, I went him to run a, like, quadruple reverse. Yes. Pass, something, <laughs> yes. like, just yes. off the wall wild. And the fans would be like, is he actually going to run that? Like, what? Because yeah. then, I mean, it's, it's funny. A team's going to have to. I mean, they're going to have to put that in the game plan in some some way or fashion, be it one play or two plays at a practice. Like, hey, guys, they do have this play in the playbook. Kind of, you know, keep a mental note of this play or whatever. So I thought it was, like that, it's always kind of funny. I thought it was super funny. I, I felt like for the first time, like Chris Mack always kind of took these subliminal shots at the fans. Like, okay, I heard you. I heard you wanted to, like, play smaller, play faster, whatever Chris the case Mack is. took shots. Things. That's right, uh, and and even some of the journalists. I see, mean, Tim Sullivan see, has the bullet these jokes now, right? Because he's not here. <laughs> he's not going to send us a mile long DM. But that's a story for another day. Uh, but anyways, point being, Scott Satterfield well, for the first time. Planet Fitness, right? Or at Roosters, <laughs> two places I frequent quite often. I'm afraid now, uh, but no. But Scott Satterfield kind of got a little like you know a little bit of a like I heard you, and we're going to do what you asked for. In his press conference, he said, you know, the fans have been clamoring for a spring game, so we're going to have a spring game. So I expect that you come out to the spring game, um, and I don't necessarily think that this is going to be the the spring where you know they fill Cardinal stadium, but I think the diehard football fans who support sat are going to be in the building. Like, I think we'll all be, we'll be in the spring game. We'll all go. We'll enjoy it. Like for me, why would you not go? It's another opportunity to drink beer. Like spring games are hey, fun, speaking man. of which, if you're listening to, to this, uh, Josh Hurd or anyone that works for center plate, $1 spring football beers. We did it like five years ago under Bobby, bring it back. That is the, Best promotion to get people to a spring game is $1 beers. Ask the baseball stadium. They know about $1 beers. They know all about that. So ask them about filling the seats with a little bit of beer drinking at the spring game. Uh, But anyways, point being, those snaps are going to become more valuable to these guys because of this stat, because it's very clear in the fourth quarter, guys were just not able to make a play. 
I'm over here thinking about dollar beers. Hold on, <laughs> dollar I beers. I don't. I don't remember that. <laughs> I, I hated, I hated spring football as a football player because that is where I tore both of my ACLs. But which I'm it's got to feel much. It's got to feel so like when you get when you get hurt in spring practice, it's got to be like, oh, come oh. on. Why are we even out here doing this to begin? Oh, and whenever <laughs> it's a major injury like mine, the, both of them, I'm like, bro, spring football is so stupid. Like, I'm not even preparing for anybody. And, you know, you all laughing. No fans been clamoring for a spring game. It's like. We don't even have a spring game to get ready for. Like, I'm just out here practicing <laughs> practice. Just, right. Just practicing to practice, man. That's just brutal. Like, just uh, terrible. But, but spring football is where you hone in on all those fundamental stuff, though. That's where we worked on in 20 uh, this past spring, the turnover stuff, mm-hmm. the tackling, a lot of the – that's where a lot of your improvements will come. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the guys on the spring game. For sure. And I can, speaking of the spring game, I can go ahead and kind of tease this a little bit because we we know this is going to happen. But as we get to the end of this series here, we've teased we're going to have some special guests. I can't reveal every single one of them, but one of them <laughs> who will join us is uh, Lottie Stockwell, the director of marketing for Louisville, the, the AD over to the marketing department. She has been the spearhead of all of these great promotions, The just some of the incredible work that you've seen with the Lamar Jackson number retirement and the Russ Smith number retirement, all of those things. And she's going to join us. We're going to talk about spring because I'm genuinely curious in what they're going to do, how they're going to make this work. Um, and they're, they've shown they're good at bringing fan, like getting fans out. So I think they'll do some things for this that will be a lot of fun. I'm hoping they open it up for guys like us to put our media credentials on and go watch practice. Um, they're going to be like looking at Vince, like, don't we know that guy? Do we know him? And like, oh, wait, that's Vince. <laughs> I, would, I would, I guarantee you somebody's going to like throw a football or something. Cause then, and somebody's going to throw something at me or some, I, cause in during spring ball the last year I was there, uh, Evan Conley kept throwing so many balls away and he kept throwing them right to me <laughs> conveniently where I was standing, like <laughs> trying to coach the DBs that Evan came up to me. He's like, Hey, don't tell Pete I told you this, but he told us we can't throw you the ball anymore. <laughs> it's not like me and Evan had some secret deal. It's just Evan saw me over there and would just oh my you know, throw it out of bounds. Check it out yeah. to you. Yeah, that's a completion. Put that on the chart, completion. But, <laughs> but no, on the football field, uh, for me, there's several big storylines. We're not going to do this episode right now, but Caleb Johnson playing, you know, some of these guys getting out there. And, but that's going to wrap up our episode tonight. Uh, no interview Uh, Just us three here talking about the defensive statistics. We hope you've enjoyed the episode and found some insight as to what went wrong uh, and what somewhat went right and where they kind of succeeded uh, in 2021, 2022. A big challenge, big opportunity, though, for the Louisville football program and the Louisville football defense. Uh, Next week, we will continue right along. Part five, we will be joined by our good friends and reoccurring uh, guests here on the show uh, for our third installment of the Keith and Cam show. That's what we're just going to call it at this point because we just get out of the way and let them talk. But we'll be joined by Keith Wynn uh, of Car Chronicle, who just joined us last night, and then uh, Cameron Teague of the Courier Journal to just talk about all this stuff, kind of bring all these things full circle. And then the following week, I uh, still got to get this scheduled, but we've got a couple of great guests, one of which will be Eric McLean. Let me make sure I pronounce that right now from the ACC Network, uh, former uh, Clemson football player. And then we will also be joined by the guys from Main Event Sports. A lot of really good guests coming up uh, on the show. We've got some other things in store here that we're looking forward to. Uh, so make sure you, you're following us on social media. And of course, if you haven't subscribed to the show and we will catch you next week. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.